1: Sports radio. Uh, the the world is starting to come back a little bit to order. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Man, there are just so many sporting events going on. I believe we have uh, Stanley Cup hockey tonight, right? The finals tonight, right? Game, I'm going to go five. I'm going to go game five. I'm going to go game five. Yep. Ramos, is that right? Is it game five tonight? I think it's, nope, game four. Game four. The Lightning have a two to one lead over the Dallas Stars. If you knew, dang it, I should have done a quiz. Who's actually in the Stanley Cup Finals? Sorry about that if I gave that away. Could have been a really good trivia question. we got a great show for you. John Middlecoff is going to join us in 20 minutes. We'll get his thoughts on, uh, on a bunch of different topics, including this one. In the last two weeks, we've talked about aging quarterbacks. And Ryan Pitt's magic looked great last night. I-, I called out his age heading into the game at 37 years old. Like, that's never mentioned. The fact he went to Harvard is always mentioned. And I think that the 37 years old is more important than the fact that he went to Harvard. But uh, but uh, I, regret, I, I, I digress. Michael Thomas is likely to be out again. According to Matt LaFleur, Devontae Adams is probably doubtful. That is, that is very funny, right? He's probably doubtful. Is he probable or is he doubtful? He's probably doubtful. Okay. So it looks like both teams will be without their top wide receivers. Both teams have star running backs. Both teams have secondary wide receivers that are pretty good. I do like the um, Packers defense slightly more than I like the Saints defense. Maybe that's because I saw Malcolm Jenkins just get torched last week by Julian Edelman. But this was Chris Sims when I asked him about Drew Brees at this point in his career.
0: This is two weeks in a row. I mean, we've seen underwhelming throws where you go, oh, that was complete, but the guy had to fall to the ground to catch it. Balls that are anywhere past 10 to 12 yards downfield, going any in which direction, it's, they're not accurate. So this has been an issue with the New Orleans Saints for a number of years. They've found ways to mask it in the past. They saw the successful teams took away Camara underneath, took away Michael Thomas underneath, made Drew Brees throw the ball down the field. And like you said, that's not one of his strengths right now.
1: When Pedro Martinez was peak Pedro, okay? And I would contend, and Bayer, you tell me if you think I'm wrong. Ramos, you watch a ton of baseball. Like Music, I, I'm not trying to disrespect you, but when Pedro was peak Pedro, you were in high school, okay? When Pedro, Pedro Martinez is the best pitcher I have seen in my lifetime. Now I, I, I love Greg Maddox and he was a tactician. He was amazing. John Smoltz is the best clutch pitcher I've seen. And he had the ability to do it as a starter and as a reliever. And for me, he's the best broadcaster, maybe in major league baseball history uh, in terms of teaching me and showing me what's forecasting, foreshadowing, teaching me baseball at the same time. But Pedro Martinez is the best actual Thrower of a baseball I've ever seen as a starter. Right? And and no, there are no there's no perfect players, there's no perfect people, there's no perfect pitchers. So I say that because Pedro had a flaw. Heck, Mario Rivera is the best closer I've seen in my lifetime. He they got twice, he, he blew World Series twice. Once it was the Red Sox, it was the ALCS, but the Dimebacks, that was on him. Pedro Martinez, during the peak of the steroid era, okay, 97, 1.90 ERA, 13 complete games. Wow. 13 complete games is insane. Uh, in 99, he had 23 wins, which led 23 and 4, 2.07 ERA, also led Major League Baseball. He had 313 strikeouts. That's the peak of the steroid era. He was just filthy filth filth the following year one he, he st- again still in boston 1.74 era 284 strikeouts led the league and it's not just that like 284 strikeouts 32 walks crazy numbers um look he, he had other moments later on with boston when they finally won a world series but what was the what was the flaw to pedro martinez what's what's crazy about PD? Is when they when the Red Sox finally won it, you know, when they finally when they finally won the World Series against the St. Louis Cardinals, that was not peak Pedro Martinez. When they lost, does everybody remember what happened when they lost? Bayer, do you where two thousand three, where were you? I, I remember exactly where I was. Do you remember where they were when 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 they lost to the uh Yankees. to the Yankees in the ALCS? Do you remember where you were? I don't. I, I know where I was in my life, but I don't remember what were like, you that moment. What were you I life? was in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, school or a, working? Uh, working. Okay. I, I only remember where I was. That I just started in national radio. Okay, And I was working with a guy named Chuck Wilson. We were doing game night. It was a late night show. And I, I just, I, rem, I I so distinctly remember at the end of the sixth inning, Grady Little takes it. He comes to the dugout and he shakes everybody's hands. And you're like, he's done. What a great performance! They're going to the bullpen. They're going to go to the World Series. And it was Game Six of the World Series, Game Six of the ALCS. I remember it. And what happened afterwards was they left him in just too. left him in too long. And when they left him in too long, suddenly now he became hittable because. Well, that's what happens to Pedro Martinez Uh, after he got past 100. It was a 100 pitch barrier. And I think throwing a baseball, throwing a baseball and and look in the ALCS that that year, you know, um, he pitched he went into the seventh inning and he got got lit up. But Pedro Martinez was, at that point in time, once he got to 100 pitches, suddenly he became hittable. And why do they become hittable when they get to 100 pitches, you know, when you're in your early 30s? You start to lose your accuracy. Everybody, I believe everybody thinks that, did you play RBI baseball as a kid? Remember, you play RBI baseball in a video game, and when you start to get tired, instead of throwing 100 100 miles an hour, you throw like 96, and it became hittable. Right? If you threw 96, it became 90. That's not actually the way it works. What really happens is when you get tired, the first thing to go is not the velocity, it's the accuracy. And then after the accuracy, it's the velocity. That's what happens in pitching. That's what would hurt Pedro Martinez, is he would miss by two inches. And you miss by two inches, and they hit it out of the ballpark where it hasn't landed yet. That's what happens. Same thing happens with Drew Brees. It's not just that he's losing velocity and the ability to throw the football downfield. He hasn't had that in years. He plays in a dome. It hides his arm strength issues. You know, he plays uh, 80 year in a dome plus in Atlanta in a dome, nine games guaranteed in a dome per year. Look at his numbers. He's basically one-for-one one touchdown interceptions when he's open air as opposed to playing in a dome. Different guy because now it gets exposed even worse. But what's happened now is he's hit that 100-pitch mark, and now the, the crossing routes, okay, the accuracy things, he starts to miss on those more and more often. And when you miss by six inches, it changes the, the game completely. Now you face against Aaron Rodgers and you start to understand that Aaron Rodgers has been doing everything he's doing out in open air with a stronger arm. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers, by all accounts worked on his lower body because he felt like he had, he'd gotten to, you know, whether it was who he was dating at the time or different life things, but he had changed his diet. He really gotten thin last year, whereas he's gotten thicker, more muscular. He's really driving the football. Now, Breeze is the cautionary tale and probably one of the big reasons that the Packers were right to draft Jordan Love because at some point that accuracy and some of that arm strength starts to go. But the the difference between the two is so vast, it will be alarming when you watch it this weekend because you have to be fair, right? They're both going to probably be without their top wide receiver. right. They're both going against good, not great defenses, but you take away a guy that takes two people, a cornerback and a safety essentially off the football field, it changes dramatically. They both have star running backs who can catch it out of the backfield. Aaron Jones, a little bit better at running it, obviously. But I, I think you're going to look at those two quarterbacks, and like, man, how, how could I even compare them? And and granted, they're like, what, five years apart in age? But the, difference, the chasm between the two, is gigantic, and you will see it Sunday on the field in New Orleans. and And I tell people all the time, what What goes is not. It's not that they can't throw it deep. Has nothing to do with that. People are like, well, you, you still look. You still throw it deep. No, it's that they can't throw it deep accurately. These guys are wizards. I mean, wizards with a football, where they know exactly. They know the wide receiver. They, like It's like a mental calculation of, they don't actually think calculation. They just know exactly where to throw it, when to throw it, how far to throw it. But when you're starting to, when you have to compensate for lack of arm strength, now all of a sudden you, you might gun the football, but you're going to miss. And when you miss, that's when you give up home runs. That's when you give up pick sixes. That's when you look old. That's when you can't make the big play, the right play at the right moment It is a, it's about pinpoint precision, accuracy, anticipation, and the ability to do it in the toughest of scenarios. All right, coming up next. We have completely discredited the value of one position in the world of sports. You'll see it tonight. You'll see it Sunday in one NFL game. I'll explain that all next. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TyRat.com/sports to see their Bridgestone test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TyRat.com/sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. I was listening to cowherd show earlier today, which, you know, it's interesting. I, one of the things I like working at Fox sports better than working at other places is we go back and forth at each other, whether on social media or in person or on each other's shows and and call out each other. And like, that's kind of, as long as you now make it personal, like that's kind of what sports is about. If I go at you based upon your sports opinion or things that you said, I just go like, yeah. okay. So this Colin did a, he didn't even knew where I call him was wrong. He just admitted he was wrong about the Patriots. Now, by the way, my picks are next hour. Patriots taking on a Raiders team suddenly with injury news. But I think that, that admitting Colin, admitting he was wrong about the Patriots is not just admitting, Hey, Cam Newton's healthier than we thought. It's not, Hey, the dolphins aren't as far along as we thought. It it's not the Seahawks defense is not particularly good. It, it's we have, we've, we've gotten to this point in sports and we, we did it all along with Phil Jackson. So last night I was getting ready for, for bed and my son wanted to watch something. And I said, you know, take the laptop and or the, the iPad or whatever. Let's watch something on Netflix so without my prodding, without anything, he put the last dance. Now, when the last dance played, we talked about it a bunch on air, but he didn't really, he didn't really lock in and watch, you know, during quarantine, stuff was shut down. We were doing all, he was doing all kinds of other stuff just around the house. And for whatever reason, maybe it was a lot of talking. There was not a lot of game action. He just wasn't. And 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 it was at an earlier hour. When you're late at night, you don't have to see as much action. You can listen to the words that are being said. Anyway, we watched episode one. He loved it. He was really into it. He's asking about Phil Jackson. What makes Phil Jackson a great coach? I said, well, he hired Tex Winter, who your grandpa, my father, used to work for at Long Beach State. Some innovative offensive coach. His system. His system put guys into places so. When Michael Jordan would get the ball in specific spots, he knew where everybody was. It's a, it's a uh, offense that is based upon wherever the next pass goes. You have a specific place or cut you're supposed to make on the floor. So it's complex and simple all at the same time. It's like, wow. I said, yeah, I said, and Phil Jackson was a great manager of egos, a great motivator. He knew every guy was different. He had meetings with people. He had great talks with people. It wasn't just about what he would drop on a whiteboard. It was about so many other things. So, you know, I I I feel like this thing that we do is really, really sinister. And we've done it with the Patriots. It's the perfect jumping off point. And we're not even paying attention to what's happening in in basketball. LeBron wins and all I hear is, man, LeBron, he stopped Jamal Murray. Like, okay. I would also tell you that their game planning is fantastic. Did you know how many threes did Jamal Murray have? He only took three. He didn't make any of them. Like, do yourself a favor and check out Jamal Murray's stats in the bubble. Jamal Murray's uh, stats in the playoffs. Heck, Jamal Murray's stats against the Lakers. Go ahead, pull them up. I'll give you. A, I'll, I'll give you a second. They all include the same exact thing, which is well, you know, um, a lot of threes. <laughs> Jamal Murray was was ninth the entire playoffs in scoring, twenty six a game. He was getting nine point four of them, uh, nine point four points per game in the fourth quarter. But more than anything, Jamal Murray been killing people based upon his ability to hit deep late threes. Look at his situational, you can go online look at his situational stats. Right? When they win, he hits threes. When they lose, he does not. It it really is it really is that simple. And they ran him off the line. And what is that what what is that about? That that frankly is about coaching. That's really what it is. You know, in games in which the Denver Nuggets have won, right, he's making, on average, four threes a game. On games in which they lose, he's making two and a half threes a game. So it some of it is game planning, not just percentages but game planning. In other words, coaching. Frank Vogel has gotten almost zero credit for what he has done, playing Dwight Howard more, understanding how the matchups work. Like is Cam Newton healthier? Yeah, they changed the offense. Sure, does that Josh Yes. But but did do, do you really think that Bill Belichick like Tom Brady's great? Do you think that Bill Belichick isn't a huge and maybe the biggest part of why the Patriots have been so good? I guess, I guess the biggest problem I have with it is maybe it's, maybe it is that once we get to professional sports, we give so much credit to the players we become so pro player that we don't realize how big a factor coaching is. I mean, heck, look at the Miami Heat. They're going to play in the NBA finals. Brad Stevens is an excellent coach, but you know what? Eric Spolster's probably been better. And while Eric Spolster is different and more evolved and probably better now than he was when LeBron James was there, the fact is that has anyone mentioned that Eric Spolster went to four straight NBA finals? Has that ever been mentioned? Have you ever heard that uttered anywhere? You know, Eric Spolster went to four straight NBA finals when when he had LeBron James. I'm not going to tell you that LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh weren't super talented, but there have been really talented teams that have not achieved their destiny. I guess here's the point coaching matters and here's the best way I can tell you in your job. Okay. You may be in sales work for striker, but who your sales manager is really important in your level of success. I've had other radio shows that I've done, but the ones that are the best and that I do the best on are the ones that I have the best management. People who put you in the best position to succeed, believing you, but then they'll question you when you're not prepared or doing it right or whatever. Like management matters in your job, so why wouldn't coaching matter? It's like we've totally forgotten about that. We've, well, you know, it's Tom Brady, Bill Belichick's nothing without Tom Brady. Okay, he won ten games at Matt Castle didn't start a game in college football. He, he they, they look like a playoff team despite the fact they had the most guys opt out because of COVID. And they lost a six-time Super Bowl champion quarterback and got a guy off the scrap heap who didn't have OTAs or an off program to work with them. If you don't think coaching matters, you're just too locked in on how great the players are to pay attention to the reality.
4: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
1: Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. John Middlecoff joins us. At, uh, Three and Out is the podcast you can hear it in the Heard Podcast Network. Over a million people a month download that podcast. I'm one of them. It's great. Um, all right, let's let's start with last night. Can we, does it does it end the Gardner Minshew is the long term solution thing?
0: I mean, it's a short week, but and their best receiver was out. I, I don't think it ends the discussion. But yeah, I mean, I you get the opportunity at Trevor Lawrence, you're going to take Trevor Lawrence over Gardner Minshew. Now, if you're just you know, win six, seven games. Do you, do you roll it back? Maybe. I, I think that's the the real conversation, not as Gardner Minshew, the next you know Aaron Rodgers, right?
1: Okay, so uh, there's a bunch there. Actually, I think you 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 started something which I want to get to. This this is the great thing. Uh, Gardner Minshew didn't have his best wide receiver. We're gonna watch the Packers and the Saints without their best wide receivers. Is that the the telltale for who's? The, the the quarterbacks are the, the real deal, right? Like, if you can make it work without your top wide receiver, because the best wide receivers in the league, it, it's it, it's not simple, but it's kind of simple. You look up and you see one guy over there in the safety, you know, this one safety high, you know where you're going. If not, that's like a guy and a half away from the rest of the football field. And th- those guys are that good. You take that away, and now you, you see what the quarterback is made of. Is that a fair... I understand that every situation, every guy in every receiving core is different unto itself, but isn't that a fair way? Hey, if we don't have our top wide receiver. Now we see what the quarterback's really got.
0: I think it's a fair way to evaluate a guy over a month or over an eight-game stretch. If it's just a one-off, I mean, who, who even knows? I mean, we, you know, there's a reason, like, in the scouting community, you never put, like, when a team is getting ready for an opponent, they watch, right now it's tough, but you, you watch three or four games. You know, Belichick probably watches like eight. I mean, so when you're evaluating putting a scouting report on a player, and definitely, you know, in free agency reports and in, in draft reports, you're watching a large sample size. Now, like you bring up Breeze. The one thing with Michael Thomas, right, a large percentage of their offense is built around throwing him the ball. How many I mean, he had he led the league in targets last year, he had a hundred and whatever forty catches. Like he is a huge part of their offense and With Rodgers, like on this team, like back in the day, they had Jordy. They also had Devontae. They had Randall Cobb. Like they had a lot of weapons, so he spread it out on on this team. Like missing Devontae is a big issue. I, I see it with the Niners with Kittle. Like you have specific, like with the Falcons. Overall, they they over time have had a lot of options. To me, it just depends how your team is built. But yeah, like a max quarterback even with just some random guys over a month period of time, should be able to elevate random guys for sure.
1: Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox sports radio. Uh, how bad do you think the problems are with breezes arm? I hear, here's what I liken it to. Okay. And you know, for, for people who don't know, you know, used to work in college football and pro football at sky Apartments. departments. Um, I liken it to baseball, right? When, when guys, you know, like when Pedro Martinez would get past hundred pitches, it wasn't the velocity that would go it was the accuracy. Accuracy is the first thing to go. And what a lot of people point out to me is like, hey, look, Drew Brees hasn't done the ball downfield in a long time. What's changed now, though, is, um, you know, any of the crossing routes or some of the easier throws, he misses on, so it hurts your yards after the catch. Is, is that the bigger issue with Brees heading forward?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's never had a great arm, right? He's never thrown, if he was a baseball equivalent, like if Mahomes or Rodgers were throwing like 98, 99 even in Breeze's peak, what was he throwing, like 91, right? But he had, like, Greg Maddox-level location. Him and Steve Young, most accurate quarterbacks of all time. I agree with that. To me, once, when you're throwing 91, once you start throwing, like, 87, 88, I, I've seen it with the Giants over the years, like guys like Jake Peavy and Tim Hudson, when they acquire them late in their career, it's batting practice. And with Breeze, it's the equivalent of, like, your accuracy is just off. Well, th- these corners, the reason we make such a big deal about the 40 time is is because running a four four two and running a four five oh is the difference of getting a finger on a ball or the ball completion, right? It's it's milliseconds. And I think you just see the ball's a little late. It's not quite there on time. He's always been kind of like Rivers and like Peyton rhythm timing. He's throwing the ball like he has to know the offense like the back of his hand because he has to have the ball out before the guy's even turning. Because he can't like a Rogers or a Mahomes even if he's late, it doesn't matter. He's throwing a hundred mile an hour fastball in there. So I, I just see a guy whose skills—it's not like the Peyton Manning, wouldn't you agree? Is like one of the worst things we've ever seen that final year. Like he just—he yeah. fell off a cliff. That's not even Brady's the same thing. They, they're just diminishing slightly. But but especially with Breeze, his margin for error because of his arm strength was really really small. And I think that's why Philip Rivers gets in trouble, just because when they're a little off, it's. That right. balls up well, they they they,
1: they they see something and they almost have to hope that's what they're they're reading it correctly early and if something changes it's here's what it this, uh, you'll, you'll you'll like this John Minokoff our guest on the Doug Gottlieb show. I talked to somebody at the Bears a couple years ago, and I called him after the after they came back against the lions, and i said what what's what's the story with Mitch and he said, you know it's kind of the same thing, which is when he gets up there and he sees it and he knows what he's looking at, he's great. And that's why he's better when you play fast because the reads are simpler and you get rid of it quicker. It's like but when something surprises him mid play and it's not what he thought, now it's it, it, it becomes a mess and he's thinking and he's just he should be just better off running it if he doesn't see what what he thought he saw. right? <laughs> I'd agree well, I'd agree. Okay, so I that's the same thing with with uh, Philip Rivers. And I, with Manning late in his career. And I think we're getting there a little bit with Brady, which is they see, they, they know, they process so much. They're like, Oh, I know what this is. I know the answer to it. And they get there, they get a snap of the ball. And then sometime, you know, these defenses, they, they change late and all of a sudden it fools them, but they've already kind of committed to, I have this small window. I have to throw the ball. And if everything is perfect, they look brilliant. But if it's not, They're guessing, they're throwing a half second too early to a spot, and everything has to work out to the wide receiver to get to that spot. And
0: and to me, it can work the other way, too. Like, Favre's the best example. Like, he never sees anything he doesn't think he can make. You see it with Stafford a lot, who I think has developed just some bad habits. And it's not all his fault. He's had terrible coaching. But the pick he threw against the Bears game in week one, when they were up, the Bears were storming back, and he throws a pick that ends up leading to the game-winning touchdown. Like, that, uh, in fairness to Breeze, like he would never throw that ball. So there's just there's a balance that just kind of creates greatness, and that's why I think like Mahomes has become such a star. He's got it all right, and, and then you see like Watson kind of goes back and forth, and and Russell's now kind of feels like he's figured it all out, and Rogers kind of going throwback. It's just it, it's just really hard position to play, and the moment you lose, to me, it's just like do you lose any confidence? Because to me, Breeze's skills, like, they are what they are. To me, is he is he thinking twice about it now? Is he going, I don't know if I should do this? And, you know, in the peak of his powers, it was just like bang, bang, boom. And it was you look up, 4,500 yards, you know, 38 touchdowns and offensive records. It's clearly I, – I think it's somewhat in his head. How would it not be when you're 40 years old?
1: Um, Russell Wilson, if I was going to offer a critique that I heard from some people is, hey, you know, he is taking these negative plays and sacks – because he 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 loves those incredible you know uh, uh, completion percentage numbers. Is is that a fair criticism?
0: I, I someone told me the other day because I was texting about Rogers and Russ. Because if you watch Rodgers, I know you have. He looks like peak Rodgers right now. He's just got yeah. both middle fingers up. He's out for blood. And listen, Russ's numbers. I mean, nine touchdowns through two games and just the you know eighty plus percentage. It's been incredible. The one knock. I mean, this is like you know geeky scouting stuff, is like they will say on first down, on early downs, he'll miss some stuff. And whether he doesn't see it, whether he's like, you know, I'll just do something else, and he knows, like, in the back of his head, I'll just bail us out in later downs, or I'll just make a crazy play out of my you-know-what. So it's like, is he the perfect player? Like, no. You know, but who really is? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think as long as you make the – like, at the end of the day, the point of a possession right is to score a touchdown – So even if you do leave something on the field, like who really cares if he ultimately gets it done? Now, their margin for error because, like big picture, right, is their defense is not going to be that great. Their pass rush looks pretty pedestrian. They can't cover. So in a tight game, not all these games are going to be these crazy shootouts. We see it every year when the playoffs come. It gets really, really hard, and every possession is magnified. You know, does that cost them in a big game? Because let's face it, like – they have been, and it's not all this fault. Last year, I won't blame them at all. The team was you had 15 guys hurt. But it's going to come down to a possession or two. So if you screw up, you know, a play, a series in the second quarter can cost you, a, you know, a big playoff game against, you know, the Niners, the Rams, the Saints, whoever, you know, the team you end up playing in the playoffs.
1: John Minokoff, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, are the Texans fixable?
0: Yeah, to me their defense is just too terrible and it's hard to get back on track when you can't get stops because then all the pressure goes to your offense and their offense doesn't really have like like a bail like the equivalent of golf, like some bailout club just to hit the fairway was Hopkins and he's now gone. I mean they're depending on the speed demons who multiple, you know, one gets a concussion all the time, the other always pulls his hamstring. Uh there's kind of this elephant in the room from the outside, I don't know how much it affects the team, just like has Bill O'Brien screwed up this team and their schedule is just I mean, you, you open up with the Chiefs and Ravens, like welcome to the NFL. Like, that's a, you know, welcome to 2020. That's that's pretty tough. Uh, I I think it's going to be really tough. It, it might just be the you know the year where you look up and you know a team with Deshaun Watson somehow they're like five and eleven, and the Miami Dolphins are ecstatic because they have their first round pick.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh, it it is like wouldn't, of- wouldn't
0: aren't they more likely in your mind to finish five wins than like eight or nine wins? Yes. Yes. They're just flawed. I mean, they're just well, not... they're flawed,
1: and they were overscheduled early. And while eventually that'll even out, I think you know, oftentimes, and I've I've done this before, like the McVay's first year with the Rams. I don't know if you remember this. McVay's first year with the Rams, they opened up with the Colts, and that was the first game. That was before they uh, they they traded for Jacoby Brissett, right? And they had uh, what was the longtime time. Scott Tolzien started and I watched a preseason game against against the Cowboys and I called one of my NFL buddies. I was like, have you seen the Colts this year? He's like, you know, I'm paying attention to my own club, but I we were looking at their roster for cuts and guys. There's not much. I was like, they're terrible. It was the first year they changed general manager. Maybe the the year they changed general managers and they just had no talent at all. And they started, started Scott Tolzien and their second game. Was I think against the Niners, and this is before the Niners got Jimmy G, right? And the idea is you get off to a two and zero start, and you may not be that good, but you kind of think you are, and you have some confidence. And if you don't get injured, like they're the opposite. They started with this murderer's row schedule, and they haven't played well, and their defense is not that good. They're not beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. I don't care if there's fans or no fans. They're not beat. I don't. I don't see them beating that team, and. You start out zero and three, and you start questioning everything. O'Brien's already been un, you know, under, under duress. I, I don't see it getting any better. Agreed. John Middlecoff, our guest in the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, Raiders. You see the Raiders. You like I was a big proponent of the Gruden plan, but I'd also mention like I was the Saints. They didn't have Michael Thomas. Was at home. Granted, no fans, but a lot of energy. How good are the Raiders really?
0: Well, their offense is really good. Now, I just saw before I hopped on with you, Ruggs is out. Yep. And I, I know his production Wall- has been hurt. great. Waller's yeah, hurt, I mean, too. R- R- Ruggs, in that Monday night game, drew multiple penalties. I mean, he's the fastest guy on the field. Like that, you, when you run a 4-2, you don't have to catch a ball to impact the game. Waller clearly – I had a coach on the staff tell me in training camp, like, he's our best player. I mean, it doesn't you don't need to be Bill Walsh to watch a half of the Raiders and go, yeah, that guy's unstoppable. So if if he's not healthy, like that, those two guys, especially going up against Belichick, this week to me is going to be tough. Huge win Monday night, so short week against Belichick, coming off a loss. Who's had a day on you? The picture with the cut sweatshirt, I think, kind of symbolized like one. They probably got home at like six a.m. on Monday morning, right? Because they flew across the country going west to east, and then Belichick, you know, wakes up, realizes the Raiders got some pieces on on offense, then he watches the game, so he probably doesn't sleep much Monday night. I, I, I could see Belichick on a mission with some things. like, oh, Historically, Derek, beside the one year, has struggled against really good defensive coordinators, and I, I, I think Belichick could have some you know, tricks up his sleeve. The other thing is, like Seattle, the Raiders' defense, their corners aren't great, they don't have much of a pass rush, so could they can they get into a shootout with New England without rugs? And, you know, if Waller's banged up, Doug, they've got to schedule these next three weeks, Patriots, Bills, Chiefs. So I, I think we're going to find out a lot if you know the Raiders, because I think it's pretty clear. Like they have a playoff level offense, but you got to get to probably nine wins to get that wild card spot in these next three weeks. If they could win two out of three of them, to me they're a lock playoff team. If they win one out of two and it it doesn't look that great, maybe you start going. Maybe it's going to be a little harder than we think.
1: John, great stuff, man. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend. Can't wait to see the pod, three nads podcast. Download just follow me on social media. Great insight on a daily basis. Thanks for being our guest.
0: Have a good weekend, Doug.
1: See ya. Uh, You too. Did did LeBron James separate himself from the rest of the NBA stars with a win last night? Shannon Sharp thinks so. I'll give you my thoughts next. Fox Sports
4: Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Here's Shannon Sharp talking about LeBron taking Jamal Murray at the end of last night's game.
3: Go, Jason. Hey, I want Jamal Murray. All I want to know is name the time you've seen other guys do that. Giannis turned it down. We saw Jimmy Buck is going in game one, and Giannis wanted no parts of it. We saw what Jamal Murray did to Kawhi and Paul George in games five, six, and seven in the fourth quarter.
1: You saw what my guy did. Mm. I don't, okay. (laughs) But like, I I, I like congruent arguments and that's what he's trying to make for just this time in the bubble. Obviously, we don't know, like Giannis is a better defensive player at this point in his career than LeBron is. Sorry. And we don't know in terms of games, I don't know in terms of foul trouble or what the the thinking was. They didn't lose because of who Giannis guarded or didn't guard. I I thought LeBron was great. And I think LeBron knowing that he can 50-50 plays is not going to be a foul called on him. Uh, is really really smart basketball. It should also be pointed out he tried to guard Kevin Durant at the end of the NBA Finals, two years in a row, and he got lit up in the second half by Kevin Durant. Couldn't guard him. So, um, and 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 like he's the spot. Like you can you 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 pick out a something you like about him. Like look, LeBron can't guard Kawhi Leonard. Can't struggle with. Jamal Murray's a kid who's been hitting unbelievable shots and difficult shots and he played well. LeBron played really really well. He did it for a short portion of the game. Let's not act like he took Jamal Murray the entire game and said you're not scoring and Jamal Murray didn't do anything. Right? I mean that that that's we we just we're making these things up that are just the like like yeah we went from the fish being this big to this big he took him he shut him down everybody else stayed home like yeah the lakers were up 4 on the very first possession he guarded him what happened lebron fouled jamal murray it's called a foul the second possession they're still up 4 and murray turned the basketball over um The third possession, Paul Millsap hits a three because he beat LeBron James to the basket and he kicks out for a Millsap three. Then, you know, then the fourth possession, LeBron James had the block shot. The fifth possession, there was a drive and it was probably a foul on LeBron. Like, that's it. That's really all that happened. We're like, Oh, LeBron James, he shut him down. Like there's seven possessions where he guarded him five in which he was really involved. And he had one, one great defensive play and one that looked like a foul. That's it. Ah! What does the fuck say? Um, all right. We, we have our, we have our picks next hour. We have a guest next hour and we have this Odell Beckham jr. Is saying all the right things. It's like somebody handed him a script And he's on script. It's perfect. It's great for now. I'll tell you why it's just for now, and it's not all his fault. And it's next to the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio.